Welcome back to Mishnah Yomi. Today we're continuing right along in Masech the Shabbos, Perik Dalet, Mishnah Beis. Oh, that was a long Perik. And then moving on to Perik Hey, Mishnah Aleph. And as we were discussing yesterday, the different substances, different materials that one is allowed to insulate food with and one is not allowed to insulate food with. And the operative principle was things that are used merely to preserve heat, one can use. Things that add heat and increase heat, one cannot use. One may use animal hides in order to wrap around their food so that it insulates them. Now, it happens to be animal hides, they are not processed. But and it's not a problem of muksa because one can also use them as a rug. And since they can be used as a rug, they have multiple usages, so one can even move them on Shabbos. However, with wood shearings, wood shearings, excuse me, which have no usage other than being spun into wool, so one is allowed to use them when they're dry, for insulation of one's food, however, one is not allowed to move them. So now the question is going to be, so how exactly are you going to get your food out if it's surrounding, if your pot is surrounded with wood shearings? Wood, wool, excuse me, shearings. So it's called tilt and What you do is you don't touch the actual wool shearings, that would be muksa. But if you pick up the pot top, the, the lid, that will cause the shearings to fall to the side, and then it's permitted. Rabbi Elazar, Rabbi Nazari Omer, he says, what if you have a case where you have a pot, a big box, and the box is full of wool shearings, and then in the center of the of the uh, box is your pot of chalent. So again, you have a chalent surrounded by wool, wool shearings in a box, in an insulator box. What do you do? Elazar Omer, mata al of a notel. You have to. Not you could, and this is not an eitz tova, but this is this is not a mere suggestion, but this is actually a requirement. Tilt the box to the side, and only then remove the pot. Why? Because if you just pull the pot right out, when you want to return the pot, what we're concerned about is that the shearings will f- will kind of all fall over into the hole. You're gonna have no you're gonna have no hole now to return the pot to, because the shearings will be there, and you're gonna come to start moving the shearings around in order to get your pot in its proper place. And if you do that, then you're moving muksa. However, if you, however, if you tilt the box to the side and you pull the shearings out, excuse me, you pull the uh, pot out. So then, if you when you return the pot, there's still gonna be some sort of hole because again the, the shearings may all fall, but they're gonna leave a gap between the shearings and the and the wall because the whole thing is on its side. Return it to where that is, and then just tilt the whole box back to being right side up, and your pot will re- return to being all insulated once again. The chumim were not concerned about this, and they say we're not concerned that a person may be tempted to move the shearings in the event they fall in the hole. So it's not that they disagree with Elias ben Azaria that the wool shearings are in muksa. They do, in fact, say it's muksa, and if the wool shearings do fall into the hole, you're not allowed to move them, but they just didn't say that one had to tilt the whole box and pull it out on a, on a diagonal and then return it on a diagonal. They said a person can pull it out regular and just hope for the best. Lo yom. A person, another important principle is that all this uh, insulation has to happen on Erev Shabbos, not on Shabbos at all. So if a person did not cover their pot while it's still day, they cannot insulate their pot once it gets dark, as in once it's Shabbos. Kifa is gala, but what's if a pot is covered before Shabbos and then becomes uncovered on Shabbos, then you could recover it on Shabbos. Again, this is all with the heat-preserving stuff, but not with things that increase the heat.
So that was all regards to insulating hot food. What about cold food? What if a person wants to uh, take the chill out of something that's very cold? So then they allow to take a take a bottle filled with cold water and place it under their pillow or cushion on Shabbos in order to remove the chill. That is not a problem. The prohibition is only with hot food. And again, because we know the prohibition harkens back to a concern that if you do it in ashes, you may come to stoke the ashes. Mishnah Aleph, now we're moving on to the concept of carrying on Shabbos, and specifically opening up with the laws of one's animal. That, as the Torah tells us, not only do we have to rest, but so do our animals have to rest as well. Now, you might ask, if our animals are resting, how do we allow them to eat graze on Shabbos? They're uprooting, they're doing coats here, they're uprooting... And they're uprooting the, the, the grass, which is a problem, prohibition. So don't worry. It's all been thought of already. So we learn from the Pusik that that our animals, they have to they have to be at ease, meaning that they can't be in pain and therefore they're allowed to graze. But we are not allowed to cause them to do malacha, and therefore we're not allowed to they're not allowed to do hotza, carry things outside. However, that is true so long as it's carrying things for us, but things for their own protection so that they don't run away, so that we can control them, and that's not considered a burden, a masa and Shabbos, and that they're allowed to carry outside of the Erev, even though it's still Shabbos. So now our mission is going to discuss what's considered a burden versus what's considered necessary in order to prevent them from running away, in order to keep them under control. So it's again similar formulation to how we opened the previous parak of a metamun with what may an animal wear outside on Shabbos and with what may it not wear on Shabbos. A camel can go out with a leash tied around its, ma- uh, around its mouth. And a white female camel with a nose ring. So these uh, these female white camels apparently were much rowdier and, and wilder and they needed to be controlled in a harsher manner. So the way to control them was through a nose ring. A Libyan donkey with a bridle. That was a, it's, it's a bridle. We've all seen the picture. Anytime you see a picture of a horse. So they have the straps running from its top of its head all around the, its snout. And it connects to a bit that's in the back of its mouth. That when you pull on it, it pulls the back of its mouth. And that's how a little weak human being can control such a large beast. A horse can go out with a collar. And any animal that wears a collar, such as dogs and whatnot, can go outside with the leash and the collar. And, or they can be pulled by the leash of the collar. Again, all these things serve to restrain the animal and allow them, you to control them, and therefore they're not considered a burden in masa. Once we're discussing the straps and the of and the and the of the animal, let's go on to a different halacha that's relevant to that as well. If one is has to sprinkle the collar of an animal in order to purify, let's say it becomes tame, one need not remove it from the animal. Similarly, if one has to immerse it in the mikvah, they could just lead the animal into the mikvah, and you don't actually have to take the remove the collar and bring it into the mikvah separately, independently, but we can assume it's loose enough that when the whole animal goes in the mikvah and immerses itself, that the that will immerse the bridle or the collar as well. I wish you all a wonderful day.